everyone. Welcome to our next podcast on dance. And it's very exciting today because we have a, a very young and exciting Singaporean practitioner, Chan Su-wei, and she has trained in London and returned to Singapore and working at Dance Nucleus at the moment on a project involving film and dance. So today we're going to look at particular theatricality in dance. This last month we've had a bit of a revelation in Singapore. We had Raw Moves work with Edith Podesta, who's best known as a theatre practitioner, plus a director, but actually in Australia she's very well known as a choreographer, particularly um, for music theatre and, and other areas. And we're going to be looking at that also um, with Capellia and drawing some links between the classical canon and the tradition of dance, whereby theatricality, particular character development and stock character roles are very important in uh, putting the ballet together. And Capelli is full of those with the central character of Dr. Capellius, of course. So um, we're going to jump right into raw moves and we're going to ask um, Sewe what she thought about the theatricality of that and what elements really came to you when you're watching it. So, first of all, I was just blown away by the production. I have enjoyed watching Romus for uh, a long time. A lot of them are friends. I worked for Ricky in the past. And I am already familiar, in a sense, with that leaning towards theatricality in his work, even if it's if it's by him, trained as a dancer, because he did work with dance theatre in Germany after his time with SDT. And then he came back to Singapore. So there was already quite a dance theatre element in a lot of his work, one of which I've danced in. But for this one, I really felt that it was a breakthrough for raw moves. There was an intensity and like there was a tension in that room. I, I don't know if you even call it a theatre, like they'd taken, I think it was a multi-purpose hall, but redone it in a way that it was a very immersed studio kind yeah, of environment. Yeah, let's give a bit more detail yeah. about um, what they actually did. They they put long tables with LED lighting down the middle, and but the ceiling was incredible. It was made up of configuration of cardboard boxes that opened at various points to reveal lights. And we should say that this work was really based on the notion of clutter and clutter in terms of on many layers, like metaphorical clutter, the emotional baggage that we carry around and the dancers were actually beginning in fat suits, which denoted that emotional baggage, right through to simply everybody's got too much stuff to people that are hoarding. So let's go back to talking about how that was used and incorporated so I think spatially, it really just walking into the space, those cardboard boxes were not only like really visually imposing, they were so low that you could feel that the space was kind of oppressive. But there's also this smell, this like incredible smell of cardboard. And I'm familiar with the smell of one or two boxes, but I, I guess I haven't moved house in a while. When you've got like a hundred boxes in there, it really hits you. It's a kind of a weird sort of musty smell. And... You know, until I read the program, sort of after the show, I didn't think about the ideas of clutter so much because besides those boxes with this kind of like low horizon overhanging feeling, the set was very clean. The audience was seated in the round and there were these three incredibly sleek long tables and uh, the two dancers, and I was about to call them actors here, two dancers were seated on either ends of the table with really very little stuff around them. Yeah, one was unpacking a box and another was reading a book. And the the suggestion of the clutter wasn't so present for me, but the the relationships were very clear. Yes, I, I think that that's a very interesting point because I actually felt the same myself that I had to read later. It was about clutter, but I straight away got the idea of emotional baggage, stereotyping of husband, 
doing nothing, the woman cleaning up the whole time. And I must say when it started, I was a bit concerned where it was going to go because I did find it quite stereotypical, but obviously it was so exaggerated it was going to be broken down Mm -hmm. and deconstructed along the way, which it was so well. And what did you think? There was another character that came in, a a metaphoric, quite mysterious character that came Mm -hmm. through the window carrying arrows, which again representing the barbs that we throw at each other throughout a relationship. Um, How did that work for you? I loved her entrance. I had like a semi-spoiler from another friend who said, so you have to sit on the seats that face the entrance and try and get to the far corner as much as possible. (laughs) So I could actually see her sliding in. So the the room was darkened and she opened a window and that was the only light in the room. And she she was kind of like just perched up there in the window frame and sort of um, slid in a very slinky way, like down down to the floor and into the room. And when she entered with her arrows, she had this kind of menacing, sort of like diabolical expression. And Melin, uh, I've actually had the pleasure of teaching Melin in, in the few times I've taught at La Salle. And I'd never seen that expression on her face and that intensity. And that, that was fabulous. The character, for a while I was like, oh no, it's Cupid. And what is Cupid doing in here? But it became clear very quickly that that was not really what this was about. Yeah, she was the metaphor. We should mention all the performers because they were extraordinary. So the husband and wife, that was um, the wife of Joel Lee and Matthew Goh played the husband and Melon Chow played this figure that sort of entered the space. And the other thing that I found striking about it was the movement vocabulary that they Mm. invented. And obviously the dancers were very involved in in the working process of this and right from very minute finger movements, which actually made boxes with their fingers and shaped parts of their faces as well, through to sort of quite large contemporary uh, movements as the piece progressed. So it was like they went from very constipated, constricted space (laughs) into a very exaggerated use of the space as they seemed to relax and the relationship evolved. And that's after they took the fat suits off. I guess it was very clear that the constrained movement and that what you've just called constipated was also an analogy for the nature of the relationship that had really gone stale. And that was the time when Gerald very clearly had a fat suit on and Matthew less clearly had a fat suit on. But after they stripped them off, the bodies became much more expressive. Yes, that's true. And they were they mm. were wearing sort of underwear and uh, and very free. So I think that the point from coming from this too is what the director choreographer director Edith brought to this and I think what she did was she extracted extraordinary performances from these very skilled dancers but I think they had to find a depth of character which Mm. they I hadn't seen before and very rarely seen in Singapore actually Mm -hmm. with dancers. Mm. Can you comment on that? Yes, exactly. Having watched Raw Moves for a while and followed their work and having danced with Matthew in school, there was a certain focus in the expressivity, especially in the faces. And usually, I mean, for all that, I I love the Romu's dancers in general. I think it's got a lot to do with the way Ricky has has trained them and, and cultivated them to have a very intense, visceral kind of physicality. I've not really seen that much work with um, facial expression or really kind of like theatre. Yes, let's use vocabulary. This a, a lead into our yeah. next point because on the podcast a couple of months ago, I think we were talking about dancers and facial expression and it's not something mm. that in contemporary dance at least we focus on. In fact, it's discouraged because we're looking at the whole body as the point of focus, not facial expression, whereas if you're in music theatre or another genre, the face is 
very much what we're looking at. So when we transfer this idea of, of theatricality and facial expression to the ballet, and here we're going to be talking about Singapore Dance Theatre's recent production of Capellia, the ballet historically has a very deep sense of, of theatre right from the pre-learned gestures that is part of the vocabulary of the ballet through to um, developing characters. And all classical ballets in the traditional canon have this set of characters, that um, character dancers. And then the dancers themselves often find themselves on the edge of the stage having to respond to what's going on in the centre with small gestures, facial expressions, look over there, that sort of thing. And it's something that I think many dancers find awkward and don't quite know what to do. And here we had um, the Singapore Dance Theatre doing Capellia, which is one of the most exaggerated ballets you can find, the bumbling Dr Capellius. And I think, you know, how, how you take on that role. And many famous dance people, I remember Robert Helpman doing that when I was a child, and it was extraordinary. So I think people can play it in different ways. And But also the dancers, I mean, they're exaggerating, they're pretending to be dolls, they're pretending to be silly, giggly girls running around, and boys are doing this slapstick sort of thing. So it really covers a lot of theatre conventions. So how do you think they went with that one? You know, it went really surprisingly well. I'll say first that, you know, for many, many years, I detested ballet pantomime. I just couldn't read it. I just had this block against this kind of, it just looked like this sort of like vapid gesturing that could be done. And when it's done badly, it's even worse. And I must say, I don't think in past years when I used to review SDT, I never thought that the acting was their strong suit and the characterizations were never their strong suit. But now having been away for a while and not having watched SDT for several years, coming back, it was a real pleasure to see the completeness of the characters, even just from the opening scene of Coppelia when the two young boys kind of stagger in and are playing jokes on each other. It was really very genuine in the feeling and like just the strength of the whole evening that I saw. I saw the evening with uh, Li Jie as the lead um, rather than Chihiro. Um, and uh, she really shone as Swan Hilda. She carried the character very well. And I think with, with quite a lot of depth, which honestly for ballet can be very unusual. Yes, I'd like to jump in there because I totally agree with that. I saw her in the matinee and I thought she was absolutely superb. I think she she understood it was a very playful role, that it was she was the leader, so she went from this pouting little girl, denied the doll, to sort of a, a mature woman that was getting married towards the end and she sort of transited all these scenes. She organised the other young dancers and I think she brought out the best in them as well. She made a fun atmosphere where they could relax and, yes, I thought it was... It was a lovely production. It was great fun and and lighthearted as it should be, but none too serious. So I think it's difficult for the ballet when we compare the ballet with the raw moves, which was obviously very intense sort of mm. serious acting that um, had a message that had a power that could resonate with members of the audience, whereas obviously the ballet was just pure fantasy, lighthearted mm. fantasy. And uh, I think it's interesting to look at those layers in terms of dancers' preparation for what they're doing, whether they're going to be the ballet or like mm. the Pina Bausch company or in a, a production that requires them to do um, these roles. How do you think you prepare for it to do this sort of thing? Well, for me, I am very interested in working with character, working with background, really creating a role. But I think I'm a bit unusual from most of my friends who are dancers because I actually started with theatre before I danced. So I was acting in secondary school and that was actually what 
I wanted to do at that time. So that's, I think, always really been very much with me. And I enjoy very much going to the theatre and watching films, things like this. But for many dancers, I think that's that's really not there, except for maybe some more newer, more uh, sort of all-rounded training where they get some exposure, um, whether it's physical theatre work or like straight up. Actually, I don't know any dance programs where they actually like have to do lines. That would probably be great. But I remember um, being in a rehearsal when I was doing my dance diploma at NAFA. And uh, ah, actually, this was with a girl who is now an SDT as, as a full company member and artist lating. And at the time we were working on um, Afternoon of a Fawn and she was the maiden in the Afternoon of the Fawn and I remember her being coached to to really like look amorous basically and the teacher's asking her like so pretend this is your boyfriend and she never had a boyfriend and she didn't know how to create that expression it was very difficult for her. Yeah, I think also, this is mm-hmm. a, a very good point because I think when you get into contemporary dance and I would say Singapore, particularly particularly some of the guys, they, they do start later. They come from other backgrounds. But for the ballet dancers, I know myself, I started when I was four years old. And it, it was my whole world, you know. So the ballet and also the time it requires. By the time you're about 12, you're doing 20 hours a week or something if you're seriously going to be a professional. So the, the ability to take on these sort of larger, deeper roles and, and really think them through um, and have a chance to to develop is it's not easy. And also I think the, the body is very fragile as well. So some of these things, they, they it's hard to get a depth of the, the weight of the character in some of them as well. So perhaps it's a bit different with contemporary dancers, which particularly in Asia because there's, there's things like sila and martial arts and some other sort of more earthy things that contribute to the training sometimes. But mm-hmm. the ballet, they're up on their points or they're in the air and it's it's a very ethereal world to be in. So um, I think this is interesting to think about. I think in classical ballet there's definitely a trap, which I've, I, I saw on my classmates um, at NAFA who were, who were very strong in ballet, but I, I see it even in the biggest companies that there's this obsession with technique that really just, just drains every other aspect of the ballet. And it's really sad that sometimes like the, the emphasis on how the foot is pointed can seem to be more important than their relationship to space or their relationship to a different character. And when it comes to classical ballet, like as over the years, I've just like, I've, I've really, really fallen in love with ballet. I still love it very much. For a classical ballet, you need to carry the story. Otherwise, it can't really exist. If you dance it only for the divertissement and stuff like that, there's just really, I think there's almost really no point to it. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that this... Um a company like STT, which is uh, like many repertory companies around the world, where they're doing a couple of major classical works plus contemporary works, but the contemporary works, uh, perhaps like Balanchine, Styler, tend to be neoclassical and quite abstract, mm. so they don't require a depth of personality in a sense. So they're really transiting from this sort of quite um, mechanical contemporary style ballet through to these often quite silly roles where, you know, they have to giggle around and pretend yeah. that they're really young girls and and that sort of thing. So, you know, the ballet obviously avoided real women and real, either they were either fairies or floating or something not of this world. So 
Uh, and then you get to raw moves where they're very weighted down with the cares and the baggage of this world. And it's very interesting how the body takes that on and, and responds in a different way. So Raw Moves really brought in this idea of, of reality and, and Edith with a theatrical direction background brought a, a lot out of the dancers in that context. So in terms of Raw Moves, what would you say that they're, um, it was this different from their normal path? Well, it was stylistically very different. It showed off the dancers' beautiful physicality very well. Um, but I think this is quite interesting as quite a specific choice by, by Ricky Sim, who, who directs Raw Moves, because he's been, he's been facilitating a series of collaborations by the company with artists from many different disciplines. And to approach Edith from a theatre background is one choice, but they've also been working with uh, sound artists, with composers, and that's just one of many directions he's stretching his company with. Okay, I think that's a very interesting point because here in the contemporary dance, we're able to shift our journey in many directions, but the restaging of a classical ballet from the classical traditional canon is um, pretty well set. You can move it in a few different possibilities. And there's some contemporary choreographers like Matthew Bourne and Matzak in Sweden, of course, that have done a lot with traditional ballets. But uh, to actually um, put that on and to stage it and to bring out the theatricality in that is in a completely different context from Raw Moves where it's a choice that they make to go into that direction and whether they'll continue down that path or not will be something that we'll look forward to seeing in the future. Stephanie, I'm definitely with you on that. What this production with Edith has brought out of the Raw Moves dancers is something really remarkable that I hope they'll keep with them. Right, so we'll look forward to their next journey and um, keep you up to date with it in the future. Thank you very much. It's been great to chat today. Bye.